Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Café Familienville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports, Peter Raschuti. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We often talk about business and creativity as if they're polar opposites. In fact, business is a creative enterprise. Every great business from Apple to Walmart stems from a great idea. And as with other creative endeavors like movies and music, the execution of an idea takes a team of collaborators. But the undertaking only becomes a success when all of the team players are contributing their individual talents towards creating the same vision. As much as business leaders like to stress teamwork over individuality with sayings like, there's no I in team, the fact is that vision is not a collective activity. The inspiration and vision that is central to creating a single, unified, successful business comes from an individual. The kind of inspired people who can have a great idea and inspire to lead others to execute it, frankly, are not very common but I'm going to introduce you to two of them right now. Jason Elkubi is the president and CEO of One Acadiana. One Acadiana is a nine-parish wide organization that promotes Acadiana as a place where business can flourish and succeed and where business people and their families can enjoy a lifestyle unparalleled in the United States. Along with a talented team, it's Jason's vision and ability to implement it that's bringing noticeable positive change to Acadiana's economy. Jason, welcome out to lunch. Great to be here, Peter. Now, Blaine LaFleur is the founder and CEO of Stonewall Consulting. On the face of it, Stonewall Consulting is an engineering firm that builds machinery products, primarily for the oil and gas industry. But that would be a bit like saying that Bruce Springsteen is a singer-songwriter. While it's technically true, it doesn't convey the impact that transforms Blaine's approach to his work and clients into something more than just tool-making. Blaine describes his mission as offering others a platform to succeed and find their purpose. Blaine, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Now, Jason, you launched One Acadiana in 2015. You brought together an incredibly impressive array of Acadiana business people, basically a who's who in Acadiana business, to help fund and implement your vision for turning Acadiana into an economically forward-looking and nationally competitive business region. What you're doing is more ambitious than the traditional aggregation of businesses like a Chamber of Commerce. It's something you might normally see at a higher level of operation, like say the State Economic Development Office. How would you describe the difference between a Chamber of Commerce and one Acadiana? You know, Peter, it's a little bit like going from good to great. Okay. Uh, in, um, in a lot of ways, uh, we're organized on paper like a Chamber of Commerce is. Uh, we are a membership organization that businesses join. Uh, we have a board that's led by those business leaders. Uh, but the aspiration of it is uh, much greater than what you see from, uh, from a typical uh, chamber. Uh, and I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, the uh, change of name from the Greater Lafayette Chamber to One Acadiana really conveys that, that aspiration. Uh, this idea that 
We can be, we can take the, the diversity of our region, the strength and numbers of it, uh, and, and make it something that inclusively, collaboratively pursues this vision to be one of the great regions in the South for business and for talent. And, and one thing, a lot of parishes in the past have you know, all been fighting against each other. This, putting them together makes a lot of sense. It does, it makes a lot of sense, uh, in part because there's strength in numbers and that makes sense uh, politically in terms of presenting a united front in Baton Rouge or in Washington. It also makes sense uh, in terms of having a compelling message to a business that might be looking to locate here or expand here. If we're talking about the workforce, if we're talking about the economic assets, if we're talking about the quality of life amenities across nine parishes, we're going to have a message that's more compelling and we're going to have resources that are greater for getting it out. Uh, but it also, it also makes sense because while uh, politically we still have some organization you know, within the parish lines, within the county lines in other states, the reality for, for, for businesses uh, like Blaine's are that the workforce, the customer base, the supplier base, the resources that you're drawing on are not constrained by the political lines around a parish. Uh, if, if anything, we're, we're thinking regionally uh, in, in a minimal sense. And most of the businesses in, in this area are not only thinking about Acadiana, they're thinking about a market in Louisiana, they're thinking about a market uh, across the country. Right. Uh, in many cases, they're thinking about uh, a market globally. And so it's important that we have uh, a, a scope for our organization that is consistent with the economic reality that we live in. And that's why that's why we created one Acadiana. And Jason, what about, uh, give us an example, a company's thinking of, uh, they got a number of sites around the United States and they've come to you. What are you going to bring, what are you going to show them? I think, uh, like are you this, you're going to help in things like site selection or? That's a big part of what we do. But but that, that marketing and sales effort is really just uh, one part of economic development. And you know, I would argue that the, the part that's just as important and, and probably more important is the process of improving the product that you're selling. And so w one of the things we have to do here in Acadiana, one of the things that we have to do uh, across our state is uh, to improve the product uh, that, we're, that we're marketing and selling. And that so would that be it's like more competitive. workforce? Yeah, that means investing in our workforce, it means investing in our infrastructure, it means having a reasonable tax and regulatory environment, it means investing in our communities so that you have uh, vibrant places that offer a strong, compelling quality of life that makes it easy for families to choose that place and makes it easy for families to stay in that place. That's not just about having quality uh, K-12 options for people to choose. It's also about having a vibrant arts community, having, having uh, high quality public spaces that people want to spend time in. Now Blaine, your approach to business is based on relationships and communication. People come to you with an engineering problem, but you're looking at a bigger picture. You're looking to solve more than their engineering problems. You see business in terms of personal relations, and you seem almost as interested in creating happiness as creating tools. I'm wondering what this approach to business looks like from the other side of the desk. How does a client who's expecting perhaps some more traditional interaction about a job, how does he or she react to your philosophy? At first, it, they, uh, a lot of people are, are taken back by it because they're not, it's not something they typically approach because people separate their business lives from their uh, relationship lives to an extent. 
Um, they come in thinking that I'm just a tool. I'm just going to use an engineer as to fulfill a tool. I want to be a problem solver. I want to help them solve their problems. I don't want to just uh, be a typical engineer. We want to be unconventional. Um, and that our unconventional approach as engineers is that we're going to be relational. And most engineers, like I said, are used as tools, which is a great thing. But um, people are surprised to see that we will communicate and form a team with them, not necessarily just be an outside uh, resource. We want to be part of your team whenever we solve their problem. And that's a lot different than making a, a product that they're going to use. You're, you're actually kind of looking out five years and taking a look at what their needs are going to be going forward, I guess. Yeah, and for me, it's, it's more about the relationship. It's not... I just so happen to be an engineer, but I would rather uh, have a build a relationship and have uh, a new friend than actually get the tool because um, there's just more to life than uh, making money to me. It's more about people to me. So, well, where, th th right there is a good good place to start. More than just making money, where, where did your philosophy come from? The philosophy came from a hardship in my life, to be honest with you. Um, I was a business partner, had a business partner, and he was my best friend, and uh, that didn't go um, as planned, or as I would have planned, but I feel like it was part of God's plan, but um, whenever I put a lot of effort and a lot of work in, um, into that business, and in one day, everything that I had worked for was gone. My friend, my business, my income, everything. And the only thing that stayed and grew stronger were my relationships and my friendships. So it flipped business on me where it wasn't about business anymore. Why was I investing so much time and energy into business when I should have been investing all that time and energy into people and relationships? Because they stuck around and grew stronger through when I had nothing. So Yeah. Now, Jason, let me ask you about something, uh, back up a little bit. You know, in, in the United States, we've got... A pretty low unemployment rate, um, but we've got a lot of jobs that uh, a lot of people need jobs and a lot of people people looking to fill jobs. Is there a mismatch in this country, or what do you think it is? Because I talk to people in South Louisiana all the time and ask them what keeps them up, and they, it's always finding the right employees. You know, one of the things that's, uh, that, that's really clear is that, and this is particularly true when you look at uh, some of the uh, key skills shortages, uh, that uh, certain industry sectors here in Louisiana uh, are seeking uh, is that many high-demand, well-paying jobs uh, require uh, some post-secondary education, which is to say some education beyond high school. Uh, but they do not necessarily uh, require a traditional four-year degree. Uh, and so there's an incredibly important uh, role for community colleges as we think about getting the sort of supply and demand right in, in the labor market. I also think, uh, and we're seeing this right now here in Acadiana, that there is a, a very important role in uh, short-term rapid retraining uh, for folks that need to reskill uh, based on changes in the economy. We're seeing that here right now in Acadiana and in other parts of our state with the downturn in the energy sector. We've got thousands of people who have been displaced from their jobs in, uh, in the oil and gas uh, sector and they want to work. Uh, and they have uh, the, the, the work ethic, the, um, the, you know, the, the, the desire. Uh, and and there, are, there are regions uh, neighboring Acadiana 
uh, particularly in southwest Louisiana and the Baton Rouge area that are going through an industrial construction boom sure. right now. They're they're looking for for, for labor, but Lake they're Charles looking for they're example. looking for skilled labor, and they're not necessarily looking for folks uh, for those positions that, that that have four year degrees. But you need some skills uh, beyond what uh, what you learn in high school. And what we're finding, Peter, is that uh, the 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 funding mechanisms. Uh, for, for, for rapid retraining are, are very limited. We've already depleted most of the uh, money that's been, all of the money that's been budgeted for this uh, in Acadiana. And uh, as we think about improving our uh, system of, of higher education and training, uh, per particularly for uh, adult workers that are already in the labor force, uh, we've got to do a better job of enabling people to uh, to recover from, from economic shocks. You're listening to Out to Lunch. My guests are Jason Alcubi from One Acadiana and Blaine LaFleur from Stonewall Consulting. Blaine, let me ask you, you're, a lot of your products are used in the oil field. Obviously, there's been a slowdown. Do you, uh, you're a young guy, so I, I haven't been through a lot of cycles, but um, uh, you think we come back? Oh, I think we definitely come back. I think um, it's a like I was saying earlier, it's a good thing for people my age because when we got out, it was easy. When I got into my first job and started, uh, I became a business owner at 26 years old. And at first, I was like, oh, wow, I'm 26 and I'm owning a business. And then I, then I started, I remember coming home and saying, telling my wife, like, this is easy. Like, I didn't think it was going to be this easy. <laughs> and I'm actually grateful for what has happened. A lot of people will probably be upset with me for saying that, but I think it's kind of reset the market. I think it was really easy for a lot of people. And I think um, there really wasn't much competition out there and um, because everybody could be successful. You did, I mean, there was so much work, it didn't really matter. And uh, so now I think it reset the market to where the people that actually put in the work and actually um, it, it, the competition is going to be there, right? So it's going to make it for a, a better industry. Um, and I think it's, it's on its way back right now. It's just not going to be the boom that everybody, it's not going to be back at $100 oil. That's like we were in, oh, it's 14, right, I guess. Right. Yeah, they, well, Jason, you, you see it probably uh, a little different angle, but uh, uh, but you've got a pretty clear vision. What do you, what do you see here? What do we need to, to see to, for these energy companies to stop laying off and, and start to go back to work, particularly uh, offshore, which is kind of what runs this area? Well, you know, there's a lot of people around here who know a lot more about this than me, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of impressions. First of all, uh, the price of oil determines uh, whether the, uh, you know, whether, whether a specific opportunity, whether it's a, a shale play or, uh, you know, deep water. But, you know, the price of oil has, uh, is enormously consequential uh, for whether the economics of uh, a play here or elsewhere makes sense, uh, and so you know the, the higher the price of oil is. Is there a the number that makes? Is it is it at sixty bucks? All the boats go back out in the Gulf. Is there some number that people kick around or? You know I, what 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 I hear is once once the price of oil is consistently back into the sixty and eighty range, uh, sixty to eighty range. That's that's going to enable 
uh, uh, a sustained recovery. And obviously, you know, as you get north of 80, uh, that that only you know uh, creates additional opportunity and, and additional additional bullishness. And, and Blaine, keep keep me honest here too, because you know more about this industry than I do. But you know, I think the other thing that that is uh, uh, that, that's that's very important to keep in mind is, you know, we're the the, the as Blaine can tell you, as Blaine demonstrates with his own company, this is an industry sector that's incredibly innovative, uh, that is uh, deploying uh, new technology, uh, new insights, uh, and and that is, you know, ch changing the the economics of what's possible at a given oil price. You know, so what we're what we're seeing right now is that the low price of oil is creating uh, a, a great incentive for for companies to, to figure out how, how to drill and produce uh, in a way that is profitable for, for the lower price of oil. And so uh, I think that uh, you know, the, 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 the technology and the, the innovation of uh, you know, energy exploration and production uh, are changing as well, and that, that is a fundamental driver uh, of the sector as One well. One thing that always hits me, uh, both of you, is that these, uh, we've got a tremendously skilled workforce here in Lafayette, and you know, if, if some of those jobs don't come back, and we can keep the people here, that, uh, you know, we've really got something to build on. Well, you know, you're right, and that's, that's exactly why, Peter, uh, one Acadiana, working with uh, some of our partners here and at the state level, have, have uh, done everything we can. We're going crazy trying to figure out how to, how to uh, uh, do, do more of this. We've done we've done everything we can to try to capture the uh, the folks who have been displaced from the oil field here in the Acadiana area, enable them to connect with rapid retraining through partners like the South Louisiana Community College, and to encourage them to during the downturn take jobs in industrial construction in neighboring regions, continue to put food on their on the table here in, in Acadiana for their families away, and so forth. Stay right? here, keep paying the house note, keep living with the dignity of work so that so that we can keep you here because so that we can keep your family here, so that as the price of oil recovers, we've got the talent to support that recovery. That was one of the things, uh, Blaine, when we had this in the late eighties, early nineties, when the business came back, it was great it was great, but so many people had left that it was, you know, you, the phone was ringing, but you didn't know what to do, what to do with them. So, uh, yeah, I see a lot of my friends not necessarily leaving the guys that are losing their jobs. They're discouraged, and a lot of them are saying that they do not want to be in the oil field ever again. What I tell them is, like, don't just make a, a decision off of uh, uh, what's happening in the market. Make a decision, like, like, use this opportunity to really figure out what you want to do. Like, who do you want to be when you grow up? Like, you, you figure that out. And that's why I was saying I think it's a blessing for people my age because when we got out of school, we did, it was easy. It was like, okay, we know what we're supposed to do. Just go get a high-paying job. There are plenty of them out there. And, like, for me, I didn't make a decision. I didn't, I didn't say, okay, I really like doing this and this is what I want to go do. I just said, okay, they're paying me good money. I'm going to go do it, you know? So now it's, like, use this opportunity to figure out what you, like, go, go be happy, you know? and make a living doing it. Jason, you got all these great young people. This is, uh, see, this is what you ought to build uh, on. You know, all the baby boomers are always, you know, they're not as great as our generation. I think the young are pretty terrific. The, the people here are awesome, Peter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not just the food. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the entire culture uh, is just terrific. Let's keep coming back to the food. I, you know what I think you could both talk about is, is management. And that's the one thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, you both have to manage folks. I mean, um, 
how did you develop your management skills? I mean, uh, I guess we'll, guess we'll start with uh, Blaine. What, where did you get your style? Uh, it started with my parents, first of all. It started with my mom and my dad teaching me how to be a leader and stand up for myself. But then I think it really blossomed with uh, Coach Robichaux. So um, oh. Coach Robichaux is an amazing leader. And so he taught you more than baseball? Or? That's the first thing he says whenever we come in as freshmen is that uh, a lot of you guys here think that are you here to play professional baseball, but I'm here to tell you that most of you won't, so I'm going to prepare you to be, um, for, the corporate, for corporate America, I'm going to prepare you to be a man and a husband and a father. And so you're going to learn how to do that, and we just so happen to play baseball while we're doing it. And so, and he's true to that. And um, so he taught me leadership and how to be a real leader. Well, and you've taken some of that. I, actually, yeah, that's the, that is, was my model coming out. Is like I searched for, um, that's what made me, start my own business and do all this is because I always looked for that team environment. I always wanted to have a business that was more like a baseball team, right? Where you <laughs> can um, have that team environment. There was competitive environment, but there was, uh, I mean, basically um, you own your own problems on the baseball team, right? There's leaders, but you, you are uh, in control if you play or not, or what role do you play within that organization? And um, I didn't want the conventional organization. I wanted that competitive team environment and, uh, I just use the things that Rove taught us in four years. Yeah. So um, it's been it's been awesome. No, there was one player he was talking to where he actually wasn't correct. He was going to become a professional baseball player. Who was that? Jonathan Lucroy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a few of them on, that I played with. Danny Farquhar is one of them. Oh, um, oh it, yeah. He's kind of a, a short pitcher. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Throws really, that's great. Yeah. Wow. This is all stuff I was not planning to get out of this show. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is great. Now, but Jason, you're... You have a kind of a, a different kind of management role because you've got people on your staff and such, but you're also the leader leader of leaders in some sense. Hmm. Um, and you know, face it, when you're doing when you're at that level, you're dealing with some you know egos and things like that. How do you get everybody on the same page? Hmm. I think part of it is uh, listening more than you talk, um, really understanding where where people are coming from, um, which which is an important element of, of leadership in any role, you know, understanding the person that you're engaging with and, you know, being able to turn the lens around and see it from their perspective. That's incredibly important. Uh, so you're not just the, sa the sage on the stage kind of thing. You're, 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 you're learning from them. Part of what I believe is that, you know, we probably score charisma a little bit too high um, when we're talking about what makes for a good leader. And that's really not how I see myself. And so, you know, I think part of the, part of the reason why I wouldn't want to be the guy that's going on stage giving the inspirational speeches is because I don't feel like I'm a guy that's all that inspiring and that I can make a greater contribution as a leader uh, by trying to bring good people together and get them on the same page and build some consensus uh, and to focus on what's, in most, what's most important and, and to go after that with, great intensity and constancy. Where, now, where did and you learn yours? Did you know, I think, I think part of it was uh, having the good fortune to work for uh, some people who were, were my bosses, who uh, modeled behavior for me. Um, so, you know, I, as a, as a uh, young professional in my 20s, uh, I had the good fortune to be around some people who, uh, who ran meetings well and who uh, delivered difficult news well, 
uh, and who uh, had the professional acumen to manage an organization uh, in a way that kept everybody on the same page and moving forward together. What are your Great meetings like, by the way? You, well, is it like you a know, food fight or overly organized? Or <laughs> 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 well, what I what I try to do, uh, what I try to do uh, in general is uh, I try to welcome everyone. I try to let them know that it's important that they are there. Um, at the beginning of the meeting, I try to establish uh, what we're trying to get out of the meeting. And I try to also define the reality that we're operating in. And, you know, I, wa I read once that the most important thing that a leader does at the beginning is defines reality. And the most important thing a leader does at the end is says thank you. We're all inspired by the notion that one person can make a difference, but the operative word in that sentence is can. Although it's true one person can make a difference, not many people do. Jason and Blaine, you are two people who are both making a difference. Uh, Jason, you're working on a big canvas, your vision is broad, your plans are ambitious, and your hard work is inspiring. It's great to see the results beginning to happen, and we look forward to seeing many more successes uh, in the near future. Thanks, Peter. And Blaine, although you've already accomplished a lot and built a successful company in a short time, uh, I have the feeling that this is just the start of your journey. We'll look forward to keeping up with you and see where the business path takes you. I'm looking forward to it as well. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me at oh, Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's been great. great day. And I, I promised you great food. It's all <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jason Alcubi. He's the president and CEO of One Acadiana and Blaine LaFleur. CEO of Stonewall Consulting. You can find out more about Jason and Blaine's past, present, and future visions by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open Monday through Friday for lunch and six days a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Ann Christian. Our theme song on Kua Monsieur Nice Guy is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. If you want to know what we look like, and I think that always helps, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloom. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly with free parking and free Wi-Fi. Additional support comes from ABiz Magazine and AcadianaBusiness.com, the essential information source for business decision makers throughout the one Acadiana region. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business, Acadiana style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. 
Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.